Hello, and welcome to Memorial Hall Library's Shelf Help Podcast. I'm Stephanie Smith, Reference and Cataloging Librarian. And I'm Jerry DeYerman, the Assistant Head of Circulation. I'm Claire Curran, one of the Assistant Directors. I'm Trisha Craig. I work in Circulation and Interlibrary Loan. And as you can see, we have sort of a special episode today, more guests than usual. And we are all gathered here to talk about different books that we have each read recently and really enjoyed. And uh, I think, safe to say, would recommend. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Excellent. So I think we'll dive right in, and we're going to start with Jerry. Um, hello. Um, my book that I um, want to talk about is called Beantown Girls by Jane Healy. Um, I really like this book. It's historical fiction, and uh, Dictionary.com said that historical fiction are narratives that take place in the past and are characterized by imaginative reconstruction of historical events and personages. Hmm. So I found this very interesting. It's about the Red Cross clubmobiles that um, went to the front lines during the World War II um, to give you know morale boost to the soldiers. They made donuts and served coffee and had gum and cigarettes and and things like that. And they were just, you know, pretty faces too that were there. Um, so the, the three characters, uh, main characters in the book are Fiona Denning and, um, she, her fiance actually, uh, was drafted in, into the war and her, um, he was shot down. His plane was shot down, I think over Germany. And uh, she was bound and determined to find out if um, where he was, if he made it or if he was dead. Um, she had two friends, uh, Viviana, also called Viv, and Dorothy. And Viviana was a very outspoken person. She was always ready for adventure. She, When Dorothy mentioned that she wanted to join the Red Cross Clubmobile, she quickly um, quit her secretarial job and said, I'm in. And then Dorothy um, was very shy, um, but she was also very musical. She had a guitar. She brought her guitar with her. Um, Then it took her a while to really warm up, and then she would play for for the guys, and they loved it. Um, So it's about them and how they got into the clubmobile, and they went to Europe. And about the training, they had to learn to drive these big trucks, and the trucks were like mobile kitchens. They had to learn how to make donuts and in large batches, and uh, which could be dangerous because you're dealing with hot oil. Um, and you're dealing with all those donuts you need. Not eating donuts. <laughs> yes, that too. Yes. Um, and coffee and all that. And they, you know, they had they were in the front lines as well. They were they were there. They weren't far from from the fighting. Um, so. It's it's a bit of a love story. It's, you know, Fiona is looking for a fiancé that was downed in a plane, and it's about her trek to, to find him and what happens um, there. I'm not going to say if she found him or not, um, but, you know, it's all about them and their adventures um, with other, you know, men and uh, dating and whatnot, and also about what they had to face being a Red Cross Clubmobile girl. Um, I also like to point out, this was uh, one of the books that we, uh, Andover, put together a book club kit 
for. Um, and the, uh, we have, I found pictures of the Red Cross club mobiles and I added those to the book club kit in the information packet. Uh, so it's very interesting. Um, I, 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 after I read the book, I found it fascinating and I actually did other research, you know, on the club mobiles and, um, it was fascinating. I think that's the best part of historical fiction is it often, um, makes you interested in a part of history you might not have known too much about. Yeah, I've never, I never knew about them. Yeah. Until you yeah. just told that story. I'd never heard of neither, them. Neither do I. Until, you know, Jane Healy was supposed to speak here just mm-hmm. as the pandemic hit and we mm-hmm. had to cancel it. Yeah, that's right. Um, she did, there was a, um, a webinar um, that she spoke at later on, um, I guess, with a couple other uh, libraries. And I, I unfortunately missed that one. But um, I happened to see this book and I thought it was interesting. And I loved it. I actually listened to it mm-hmm. on audio. When we get to mine, I also did mine on audio. I don't love reading nonfiction, so I love historical fiction for that. Because yeah. you get to learn something, but you also, if you're a fiction reader, you get a little bit of that story. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I love, I mean, I, I do read a little bit of nonfiction, but not much. But something like this, and it it really piqued my interest that I did a little more research um, yeah, exactly. to find out more. I mean, I do, I do like nonfiction, but even so, I feel like I'm, I'm more likely to remember something if it is part of a story. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, whether whether that's a narrative nonfiction or whether it's historical fiction, mm-hmm. because you know, if it's a good story, I get, or for me, a good story is one where I'm invested in the characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if that's the case, then I, you know, I remember those characters, and then sort of by virtue of that, I remember actually some of the history and facts that go along with the story. Yeah, The Devil in the White City is a good oh, example of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that book, is it's written like a novel. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. It is nonfiction. Yeah. I did that one on audio, too, which made for a little bit of uncomfortable driving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I would nonetheless recommend it. That was yeah, absolutely. That was a good one. Um, and yeah, it does feel almost like historical fiction. Yeah. Um, now she, Jane Healy has a couple of other novels, right, that are also historical fiction? Yep, the, um, the Secret Stealers is her, her newest one. Mm-hmm. I read that. I, I didn't really, um, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't look it up to, to remember exactly what it was about, but that's her newest one. And then her, the other one before Beantown Girls, I can't remember what that one is. It has a yellow cover. I guess it should be. <laughs> <laughs> With maybe it might be in the front of that. All right, Claire, you're a good, you're a good one for that. You remember that one? yellow cover? Um, but I feel like I feel like that earlier one was maybe also World War II related. Although I could be totally wrong, not having read any of these myself. Saturday Evening Girls Club. Yeah. Yes. All right. There it is. Yeah. And she's local too. She's she lives north of Boston somewhere. Yeah, we're gonna have to get uh, her back whenever in or maybe a Zoom or something. Well, yeah. yeah, it would be really nice to get her back in person I know. eventually. And I I did actually talk about that this morning with Stephanie Trainer, our um, our uh, community services librarian, and she said that we're really not planning any in person talks yet, at least until the first of the year, which yeah. is understandable, completely understandable. Mm-hmm. 
But the Zoom author talks, I've listened to a few. They're excellent. They are. And almost as enjoyable as in person. I think so. Right, yeah. I mean, I guess the other benefit to that is, like, it can allow us to get some of the bigger name people who it's like no one library could afford. Right. Like James Patterson. James Patterson. Right. But, you know, since it's on Zoom, a bunch of libraries can contribute. And now we get James Patterson. Absolutely. Right. So, sort of the silver lining. That's true. And you can watch from the comfort of your couch. And shy people like me can just type my question to James (laughs) Patterson and not just stare at James (laughs) Patterson. (laughs) So, you know, some silver linings. We'll make the best of it. Yeah. But that sounds great. I do love a good I do love a good World War II story. Yeah, absolutely. Who doesn't? I do. I mean, people come up with the book. Yeah, we had a display out um i think when we first opened did you miss mm. and it was you know some of the authors that we had just before we closed jane healy and i think another one after we that we're supposed to have after we closed and people were coming up with this book and i said oh, this was really good you're going to really enjoy this yeah. so that's right because we did have jenna blum mm-hmm. and peter swanson and, and Paul, Paul Tremblay. Tremblay just before we closed yeah. for COVID. Right. Yeah. Um, in 2020. And I will say that Jenna Blum, I don't think a lot of people were as familiar with her books. Whereas after she spoke and then we had them all, I mean, I still see people checking those books Absolutely. out. Uh, yes. And those were really popular. Yeah. So I'm waiting for it. her next book. Does she also do historical fiction? And I know she has one that's like memoir, right? She has a, I believe the one that's coming out now is a memoir. Yeah, about her and her dog. Yes, but yeah. the previous books, I believe, are all yeah. historical fiction. Historical fiction. fiction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you, if any of you have read them, do you think people who enjoy Jane Healy would probably also enjoy Jenna Blum? Or at least like her novels, we want to speak to the memoir. Yes, I yeah, mean, I, so. I love historical fiction, and Jenna Blum is one of my favorites. Yeah, what, Those Who Save Us, um, I think might have been her first book. I read it a few years huh. ago anyways. And that was one of my favorite historical fictions. I love that story. I thought it was very moving. I love the main character. Um, so I do think she people would enjoy her if, if they like historical fiction in general. Great. Well, do you wanna do you wanna tell us about your book next, Claire, since it's also historical fiction? Absolutely. Um, like Jerry, I'm a huge fan of historical fiction. The book I chose for this podcast is The Book of Lost Names by Kristen Harmel. This book has two things I really like about it. A fabulous main character who you will love, and a dual storyline that takes place uh, part of it in nineteen forty two, World War II, the other part in two thousand and five. So we meet the main character, Eva Abrams, as uh, an 80-year-old librarian in Florida in the year 2005. She's manning her reference desk one day, and she comes across a newspaper article about the looting of books during World War II by the Nazis. Accompanying that article is a photo of a gentleman holding a book, and she recognizes the book a book she hasn't seen in 65 years since she was just a young woman. So we then flash back to 1942, World War II. Uh, Eva has just fled Poland because her father has been taken by the Nazis. She and her mother get false papers, and they flee to Paris. Um, once in Paris, they um, the resistance gets them to a small town that is a, known as a free town, uh, near the border of Switzerland, and 
Eva discovers uh, people in the resistance through her local church that are working to get Jewish children over the border to Switzerland. And because her father was a typewriter, he was a man who fixed typewriters, that was his business, she had a lot of experience helping him with typeface and settings. And she discovered that she had the knack for forging false documents. So she could forge birth certificates, food rationing books, all sorts of things. So she begins to do this for the resistance in her local church in a hidden room. And she, when she's doing this, most of the people who she's forging the papers for are children. And these children are often unaccompanied by parents when they're going over the border to Switzerland. And they're too young to remember their real names. And, and Eva is giving them false names uh, as she forges her documents, uh, names that, of course, are not Jewish. And so she feels very very badly about this because she feels like she's somehow stealing their identity because they're not old enough to remember their names and they're not traveling with their parents. So she feels like their true identity will be lost. So she and her fellow forger, Remy, who happens to be a very handsome gentleman, coincidentally, come up with a method of preserving their the, the children's real name. And this is where the Book of Lost Names comes in. So this is the book, and I'm not giving anything away. This is the book Eva sees in that photo in the newspaper as an 80-year-old woman. So Eva, being the person she is in 2005, decides she's going to go back and find that gentleman in the picture and see that book that she hasn't seen. And you realize right away the book is very precious to her. And the reason why unfolds in the 1942 story. And it's this story has a bit of everything, a bit of romance, a bit of mystery, some twists and turns, a lot of history lessons, um, but mostly a main character that you feel very engaged with and that you you realize how strong and faithful and loyal and brave she is. So you really want to hear her story. So um, I think you know, if you like historical fiction and a dual storyline, this might be the book for you. It happened to be my favorite book that I read this summer. So nice. I do love a dual storyline. Yeah, that sounds really intriguing. Yeah. Well, as as we're talking, I'm looking it up, and I'm going to reserve it. Yeah. Oh, well, I have a copy right here. You can have <laughs> I want the audio book. So the thing is, I I half read, half listened. So I would read read the book, and then if I was going on a long ride, I would pick up where I left off with the audiobook, and it's a great reader. Um, sometimes when you listen to an audiobook, the voice of the narrator makes a big difference, and mm-hmm. so sometimes you feel like right away, oh, this I can really listen to this story, and other times the narrator just doesn't sit well with you. Mm-hmm. This I really enjoy this narrator. I believe she might have had a British accent, but I listened to so many audiobooks. I'm not sure if, if that is true, um, but I do tend to like the ones that are narrated by British accents. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Well, it adds authenticity, too, I think, to some of the books. Absolutely. And interestingly enough, either in Hoopla or Libby, our, um, our digital book services, there is a category for uh, British narrators. Really? Yeah. I just found it the other day. I see that. Yeah, oh. So I... Um, Chose my books through that. Yeah. Interesting. This is a good way of that, eh? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yes. 
I like the librarian connection in that book, too. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. always appealing yeah. when the main character is a librarian. Absolutely. Well, every now and then, you're like, did you talk to any librarians? Do you understand what this job <laughs> is? Like, most of the time, it's done well. But every yeah. now and then, you get one where you're like, this is not right. <laughs> yeah, I did read a book once that I won't name, but it was like, the person was trying to solve a mystery and they literally went to the library and like hacked into like someone's accounts and everything. I was like, no, no, we would never do this. Like, <laughs> we would not find information about your enemy at the library. <laughs> we will not help you no. with that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so if you do like the dual, uh, dual storyline, there are two other books I read this summer that um, are historical fiction with a dual storyline. Uh, one is The Rose Code by Kate Quinn, mm. and the other is The Address by Fiona Davis. And actually, I think most of Fiona Davis's books are a dual storyline. Her latest is The Lions of Fifth Avenue, about the history of the New York Public Library, um, which was an excellent one. That's a dual storyline with a mm. twist ending. And maybe is, also a library connection. Yes, and a, and a library connection. Um, that was very interesting. So if that's your thing, there's a lot of books with dual storylines. Come to the reference desk. We'll help you find many. Yes, we will. The Orphan Train. That was a dual. Oh, I, I love so that. Good. That's such a great book. I know a lot of people have read it, but if you haven't, it's such a, a dual storyline. That's just an incredible story. Agreed. Yeah. Also historical fiction. Yes. But I feel like I feel like the Orphan Train is one of those books that almost anyone will enjoy. Like even if you don't yeah. really read historical fiction yes. or like go in for a dual story, like that was just solidly good. Yes, great book. Yeah, the uh, Jenna Bloom book that we were um, talking about before, the one I read was The Lost Family. Mm-hmm. And that one was really good too. And um, I asked her if she was going to have another book, a uh, second book on that, and. She said maybe, so I can't mm. wait for that to yeah. come out because it, there was still some questions left yeah. that I had when that ended, and that was good. That was about um, um, the uh, the Nazis with uh, the um, the Jewish children and the families mm-hmm. and stuff, and being mm-hmm. put on the trains and mm-hmm. taken yeah. away, yeah, and how their family was separated. One of one of my favorites with more than dual storylines is one book published in two parts, Blackout and All Clear by Connie Willis, and also World War II, multiple storylines. It's technically science fiction because there's time travel, but it all almost all takes place in World War II, so in a lot of it it feels like historical mm-hmm. fiction. And uh, yeah, if... If you like multiple, more than dual storylines, I think it's a commitment. Like the two of them together, more than a thousand pages, but um, but I think it reads pretty quickly. It's a lot of dialogue. That is a commitment. Yeah, it it is a commitment. But (laughs) that's a winter read. One of my favorites. Um. Anyway. I guess moving on from historical fiction, Trisha, do you want to tell us about yes. your book? So, uh, a little bit different, but I'm going to talk about a horror book, and it's Later by Stephen King, and I'm just going to read the description that I got from Novelist. Do we call it Novelist? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a little plug for that. Um, if you use that, the best thing about it is the read-alike section, because they're actually very accurate. So, if you have read a book that you loved. I know you can Google it, but if you use that uh, database off of our website and put in a book you liked, it'll give you really accurate um, suggestions for other books you may like. So I'm just going to read the description. 
The son of a struggling single mother, Jamie Conklin want, just wants an ordinary childhood. But Jamie is no ordinary child. Born with an unnatural ability his mom urges him to keep secret, Jamie can see what no one else can see and learn what no one else can learn. But the cost of using this ability is higher than Jamie can imagine, as he discovers when an NYPD detective draws him into the pursuit of a killer who is threatened to strike from beyond the grave. Um, so already it's like classic <laughs> King right there. Basically, without giving any spoilers, Jamie can see people who have just died, and he can speak to them. And as time progresses, they get they fade away, and he can't see them anymore. But right after they have died, he can see and talk to them. So, you know, classic King, very, you know, ghost story. But this one is actually a shorter King. It's 264 pages, which if you read him, you know, that's like nothing. Practically a novella. (laughs) (laughs) And I think this one kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit. The big summer hit has been Billy Summers, which actually I just started yesterday and is really good. I would recommend that too. But this one came out a little bit before that. So I don't know if a lot of people have read it, but it's just a really great story and it feels like a ghost story and which is sort of more of the traditional sometimes king will do you know the alien thing mm-hmm. uh, or sometimes he even does a historical thing um, but this is just it's like the tone is just very creepy and suspenseful it's short so if you have the time you could read this in one to two sittings um, but it's just one of those, just page turner. Like, you just want to find out what happens. I mean, just from the description already, I'm very curious. Yeah. Like, very drawn into that. Yeah, I mean, it's just so funny. Like, whenever I read him, I'm still astonished that he's been writing since the 70s. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it's always a different idea. It's always new. And he has such a unique writing style, I feel like I could read a snippet and say, oh, I know that's him. Absolutely. Just the slang he comes up with, just the way he writes is just so uh, unique. And one thing about it that I liked is, I mean, going back to like It or The Shining or even The Institute that was newer, he just writes about kids in such a realistic way. Sometimes you read a book that's about kids and it seems so stilted or a kid that age would never talk that way mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. and I don't know it's just this character is one of those ones that I I'm hoping like kind of like you said Jerry I'm hoping that he does another story about this character because we do see later on in the book he's an adult but we don't really delve into him as an adult but I just even in this short novel I feel like he was so fleshed out as a character um, and that's one of the things that I I really like when I read a book is I like to have a, a really fleshed out character that I get to know and I care about, even mm-hmm. if necessarily I don't like them. I've read books that maybe has a very unlikable character, but I'm intrigued by them. <laughs> I want to yeah. know more about them. Um, yeah, so I highly recommend this one. Um, Interesting you say that you'd like to, that the character has grown up and you'd like to see more because... Um, so, Dr. Sleep, yes. the main character in that is the grown-up version of the boy from The, the Shining. Shining. Yep. And that book was, I thought, it was scarier than The Shining. It was very scary in different ways. Absolutely. To see how we kind of paralleled his father. And I mean, the diff- from when he wrote The Shining to when he wrote Dr. Sleep, I mean, that was decades in yes. between. 
When I was a teenager in the 80s, there were not a lot of teen authors like there are today. There was not a wide choice. Robert Cormier, Norma Klein, Judy Bloom, and maybe a few, a few more, but very, very few teen authors. So uh, a lot of the teens read Stephen King mm-hmm. and Dean Koontz and absolutely loved and that I was s- where I got hooked. I when still I was in see high teens checking out Stephen King or asking about mm-hmm. it. And I, I've always really liked, um, you know, the classic ones, Misery, The Shining, mm-hmm. it, it. And this kind of feels like that Stephen King. I think he went back a little bit. Those are my roots. favorite ones, the yeah. ones that feel like more like his older books. And what was the title of the book again? Later. Later. Sort of, I don't make you weep a little bit just because you're like, how am I going to look this up? It's just like 20 million books <laughs> later in the title. <laughs> yeah, to be like later, Stephen King. Yeah, they do the author first. <laughs> yes, it's a paperback though. Is it is? Yes, yes. Okay. it was released only in paperback. Yes, which is uh, unusual for Stephen King. But every once in a while, he has one of those smaller books. Yeah, and it's just in paperback. Mm-hmm. I've read very few Stephen King only because I mean this. I don't know, just it, they scare, they're scary, they scare <laughs> me. Yeah. But, um, that sounds very interesting. I, you know. Yeah, it's a lot, down. it's a lot more, um, it is scary, but there's a lot. The thing about him is that there's always the relationships between Jamie and his mother, mm-hmm. between Jamie and the, his mother's ex girlfriend, who's the police officer, who's not a very nice person. Mm-hmm. And even the way that he interacts with some of the people who have just died, there's one part where um, his mother is a literary agent and her big author had just died and they need him to speak to him. (laughs) And it's just very interesting the way, and then the way he writes of how a child, because he's really young at the beginning, how a child interprets people and how they interact with each other and how the, the dead person reacts and interacts with the alive people without them knowing it kind of thing. So it's just, it's just, again, he's so unique in the way that he writes. And and not all of his books are really scary. Two of no. my favorites are um, 112263, mm-hmm. which is a sort of historical fiction mm-hmm. about the assassination of JFK. It does have a little time travel in it, if I remember correctly. Yes. And the Green Mile. Yeah, the Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. I mean, he's very um, prolific. and So I know that the horror genre can be a little, you know, quote-unquote scary. But if you're thinking of delving into it, the best way to do it is to try a short story collection. You know, obviously Stephen King has a bunch of those. Um, Clive Barker is a good one to start with. But also... Um, we mentioned Paul Tremblay. He has a short story collection called Growing Things, which <laughs> is like, I would, I would suggest that is a good place to start if you are a little hesitant about whether you want to jump into a, you know, 700 page horror novel. Short story collections are always a good way to test out a genre. That yeah, is a good I read, uh, Paul Tremblay's when he came to visit us here. Um, the cabin at the end of the woods. Oh, I love that book. Yeah, that book and a head full of ghosts are yeah awesome horror books. He's right. just a great horror writer. When I was taking a horror class at UMass Lowell, um, 
we had to read one of Stephen King's books, and um, it was the thing scared the heck out of me. It was the road virus heads north. It's about um, a guy who's heading up from Boston, up Route 1 to Maine, and he stops at this roadside yard sale and picks up this painting. And for some reason, it just mesmerizes him and he buys it. But then the painting comes alive and this mm-hmm. like all kinds of things happen to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And um, so that was... Creepy. Creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what I mean. Like, even like every time you read something, it's like, how did he come up with that? <laughs> I know. You wonder what, what yeah. what's going on in his yeah, mind. Yeah, what's going on in his head? And, and anyone that's believable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyone that's ever met him has said he's the kindest, gentlest person. Mm-hmm. But you have to wonder, like, wow, how do you keep coming up with all these things? Mm-hmm. I went to see him speak once at UMass Lowell. He was being interviewed by the man who wrote Sand and Fog, Andre, Andre Debus. Yes, and he, Stephen King showed up in, like, baggy jeans yeah. and, like, a black T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Andre was dressed to the nines, and <laughs> he was just so laid back and casual and likable. Yeah. And so interesting talking about his writing career and how it started. Mm-hmm. And his wife is also an author, Tabitha yes. King. Mm-hmm. And his Not son. quite his as long. That's right, his son Joe Hill has yes. written yeah, many. He's become very popular. And yeah. I think the last book Stephen King wrote with Joe Hill. Yeah. There was, was, a, it, was that Sleeping Beauties? Did Sleeping Beauties, yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is in our book club collection. I, I listened to Horns, which Joe Hill read. Yes. But I have not read or listened to any Stephen King. And it's like sort of perpetually on my like vague to do list. And mm-hmm. I just. Some, I like, I've never gotten to it, and I'm like, but where do I start? There's so many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say his short story collections are a good place to start. Or yeah. you could read Carrie, which is pretty short. That was actually yeah. his first mm-hmm. book, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because they, a lot of the classics are a commitment. They're right. pretty long. I mean, The Shining is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to be terrified. <laughs> I don't mind being like, you know. I've watched some those movies, there. and yeah. yeah. I want to do the movies. My favorite one. One of his early titles, I think, is Firestarter, Firestarter. which never really made it quite as big as some of the others, but I love that one. Yeah, that was a good one. And what's the one where uh, the man's in the coma and he wakes up and he can see the future if he touches people? There was a mini-series. Christopher Walken was in the movie. Also sounds scary. (laughs) (laughs) That's another one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, maybe this October will like finally be the time. Like October is yeah. sort of like a big the dead gone. zone. Good, oh, Sorry. the dead zone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many good ones. It's yeah. hard to choose. I feel like October is usually when people who don't read a lot of horror. Will yeah, we'll try it out. It. Yeah, yeah. For the Halloween tie-in, we'll say one horror author who I've consistently enjoyed is Grady Hendrix. Yes. Um. Who sort of you know, a satiric take on things? Yeah, I don't, I don't do a lot of horror, but I have enjoyed his novels. Mm-hmm. Um, most recent is the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying yes. Vampires. Although I think a new one is coming out this month. Yeah, yes, yes. Well, the Final Girls. Club. Yeah, yes. is that out yet? Yeah, that's, I think I think it's uh, just out. That yeah, that's sort of become like a thing. The whole like Final Girls yeah. thing. I mean, Stephen Graham Jones is another horror author. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote The Only Good Indians, which is an awesome, it's like a revenge story steeped in Native American history. He's another one of those characters are amazing. 
Um, but he actually wrote a book called The Last Final Girl that mm-hmm. came out in 2012. So I feel like he kind of kickstarted this whole final girl. Riley Sager had a book mm-hmm. called The Final Girls. Um, and the Jones book is like, it's if you like the slasher horror films, it's totally that. It's like the prom queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, so horror can be fun, too. But, if you, if you want to do that, there's so many subgenres of it. If you, you could find something that you want a traditional ghost story, you want something more kind of fun or satire, mm-hmm. like. I feel like the sort works. of like gothic horror has been yeah. coming mm-hmm. back into style mm-hmm. recently too, with like Sylvia Moreno Garcia's book. Yes. Um, yeah. And I can't think of any other authors, but I feel like I've seen like a few reviews for the sort of gothic horror lately. Yeah, um, yeah, she's a great suggestion. And yeah, um, Mexican Gothic was a great book. Not super scary, um, but just a really intriguing story. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess we'll move yeah. on to my book then. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, my book is called The Raven Tower by Anne Leckie. It is fantasy, although there are, there are a couple of, not, I wouldn't call it horror. I feel like fantasy and horror are sort of related in that they, mm-hmm. they can both have a supernatural element. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, the supernatural element is, um, is gods. So it's not set in our world, it's set in some totally other, some totally other world in which there are gods who are sort of, you know, actively present in the world and, like, among the humans who live there. And they tend to, they tend to be embodied in a specific thing, or, so, like, one of the gods is embodied in a giant stone, one of the gods is embodied in a swarm of mosquitoes, yes, (laughs) a swarm of mosquitoes. (laughs) One of the gods is embodied in a raven, thus the title, The Raven Tower. And I listened to this book. I highly recommend the audiobook. Um, it did win the Audiophile 2019 Best Audiobook Award. Excellent. And, uh, like, the narrator has a really lovely voice, and she also does a lot of accents, but she does them so well. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that can, that can backfire. Mm-hmm. But, like, you always know who's speaking and just from the way this one woman is able to change her voice for each character. Um, her name is Adjua Ando, and I don't think I've... I don't know if she's narrated other audiobooks. If she has, I don't think I've listened, but I would seek them out. Um, but she really did a great job. We don't have the audiobook here, but we do have it in the network, or um, the e-audio is available through several of the other state consortia that you have access to with your local card. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of those books where, like, I, the beginning was a little bit rough because you really don't know what's going on. You've been thrown into this other universe. You, you know, you don't know what's what. But if you can stick with it for, like, the first, I'd say, half an hour or so, then you're like, I don't care that I don't fully know. I, like, I want to know. Like, I want to keep going. So I would say, you know, there's, there's sort of a high threshold for entry in that, like, you have to be able to put up with a little while just being like, I'm totally lost. And then, and then you know, as you figure out more and as you get more invested in the characters, you just don't care that you're lost. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it was also one of these books that, like, by the time I got to the end, I was like, I could almost just do this again because I feel like, like, now that I know what happens, I want to go back and, like, see all the things 
that I wouldn't have even known to look for mm-hmm. the first time through. Because, you know, because I didn't know what was happening. So I feel like this is one that maybe, I don't know, maybe sometime next year. At some point in the future, I will actually go and, like, read it mm-hmm. versus listening to it and see, like, okay, like, here are all the little, like, oh, look at that. Like, I could have seen that. I didn't see that coming, but, like, here was the clip. Yes. You know, like, I feel like it really plays fair in that way. Like, it's very, it's very twisty and suspenseful. But there's no point at which I was like, well, that just doesn't hold up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which I appreciate. But it's, it's so different than other things that I've read and, like, from our world that I'm not even sure really where to get into it. Although I will say... There were there were several points listening to it where I was like, is this based on Hamlet? Oh, it might be based on Hamlet. Interesting. I don't know if it explicitly is, but like, you know, there is an uncle who has usurped a throne. I mean, like that's a little bit Hamlet right yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. and and the the heir to the throne, the nephew, is, you know, one of the main characters and he is trying to figure out what happened here and like you know, also, he wants to get the throne for himself. He was supposed to be the heir. Now that his father is gone, it should have been him, not the uncle. So, like, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's it's never that easy. Mm-hmm. It's like in Hamlet. Sorry. And so, you know, but I would say really the main character is the aide to the heir. Um, you know, sort of like a military aide. And so, you know, like, he, he has a slightly, you know, because he's not the one who was, like, had his throne stolen, he's got a little bit more distance, a little bit more perspective to kind of, you know, maybe get a more realistic view of what is happening. And there's there's kind of a dual, there is very much a dual storyline in this book. Uh, because the narrator is narrating this track of events with the uncle who has usurped the throne, and then is also narrating what seems to be a totally different track of the narrator's own history. And I won't say who the narrator is, because that is not clear when you start this book. Mm-hmm. And as time goes on, you start to have some suspicions and, like, put the pieces together. And I would say it takes a good portion of this book to figure out, like, how on earth are these two... Like, why are these two stories together? Luckily, I found each one interesting enough that I was willing to continue on mm-hmm. without... A, and, and also part of wanting to continue on was, like, but how are these going to possibly... Mm-hmm come yeah. together. Yeah. And then, of course, they do come together, and you're like, oh, okay. Wouldn't have thought of that, but it makes perfect sense. Um, I like that, when yeah. you, you can't figure out mm-hmm. how they're going to come together. Right. And you're yeah. waiting a long time for right. it. Right. Yeah, you... This author is not afraid to not give you all the information at first, not afraid to make you wait to figure things out, um, which I wouldn't want for every book I read, but every now and then I really enjoy it. I do too. I like it when I kind of make you work for it. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Like, I don't always want that, but it's really nice sometimes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I've read several of her other books. She had a big series. The first one, I think, is Ancillary Justice. And those are, like, those are very much science fiction, and this is far more fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um... I also highly recommend those, but, like, also be prepared to, like, be confused <laughs> for, like, when you start reading it and, like, not know what's going on and, like, it takes a while. And, yeah, so I would say that's true for other books, too. She has, she has no problem, like, leaving you kind of hanging. 
Not not at the end so much, but like at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you do have to have a tolerance for that because I I actually yes. don't like when I'm starting a book and I feel lost, like I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on. But it sounds like this one's worth sort of I think, making the effort. I think this one was worth sticking through. And one of my friends recommended the audiobook specifically to me, like a while ago. And usually I listen to nonfiction, so I was like, eh, mm-hmm. whatever, I'll yeah. yeah, I'll get to it eventually. And then I finally did get to it. I. I think I'd listened to too much depressing nonfiction, and I was like, I just need something <laughs> totally else. Like, maybe it's finally time to take this recommendation. And then, of course, you know, I, like, didn't want to get out of the car. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I, like, yeah, like, the first drive home with it, I was like, uh, I don't know what's happening. Like, is this going to be worth it? Yeah. Like, right as I was pulling into home, it really started to get worth it. And I was like, okay, like, <laughs> I'll stick with this. And, yeah, from there on, it was just like, I'm all in. Like, what? What is going to happen? Well, that's the thing about fantasy is that it's just total escapism. Yeah. It's just sometimes it's nice to have that. Absolutely. Especially this past year. Yeah. 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 It's good to escape into a different world. Yeah. Right. And, like, you know that, like, whatever is going wrong here is not a thing that I have to worry about going wrong. That's never actually going to happen. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Like, I do not have to worry about, like, you know various vengeful, like, getting caught up in a power play between various vengeful guys. Right. Like, that's just, you know, it's It's just not part of a romance. Like, you know it's going to have a happy ending. Right. You know that, you know, something isn't going to, yeah, like you said. Exactly. Vengeful gods are not going to come for you. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And so, yeah, I just, it was a a great way to escape for a little while, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, You know, but yeah, you, you do have to have the tolerance for, like, not knowing everything at the beginning. And, I mean, a lot of fantasy is not like that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, if you think of, like, Harry Potter, which is sort of, right. like, it's set, you know, in this world. So you have you have a framework of understanding. Yes. Mm-hmm. Versus something like this that's just... Yeah, it takes a while to create another right. world and to become integrated right. into it. So. Right. And, like, Anne Lucky will never, will never, like, lay it out for you. She'll, mm-hmm. she'll give you all the clues you need, but, like, you have to put it together. She's, which, which makes, I mean, which is nice because you don't get bogged down with like just a lot of description or, I mean, it's all action. Yeah. You know, it, the action is nonstop in this book, which is great, but also like you do have to then do the work yourself. Like you said, she makes you work for it. Yeah. Um, I like that though. I like when an author takes a risk on yeah. something and it's a little bit different, whether it's like the prose, you remember that book, House of Leaves? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's just, it's totally different, and you have to put in the work to it, but I like it. Yeah. Or, like I said before, maybe there's characters that aren't the most likable, yeah. or, but you're still interested in them. Yeah. I feel like it's a, a cool risk that some authors take, and I like that. Yeah. And it's definitely. not it's not predictable, like, you know, no. like a romance or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're trying to escape, you know, you, you want something... You know, and that sounds like that would be a good book because you, you do have to think about it a little bit and work for it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and she, like you said, gives you a little clues here and there if you don't break right. up on them. Right. I could actually feel like almost if you like mystery, it might be good just because mm-hmm. there are, you know, there, well, there is a mystery also. Like, why is the uncle on the throne? Like, mm-hmm. how did he? How did he get here? What happened to the father who is missing now? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's like sort of explicitly presented as a mystery in the book because it's like, well, he was in this tower. Like, there aren't many ways out of the tower, and all of those ways were watched, and like, no one saw him leave. But it's not, 
you know, there are reasons within the story that no one thinks it's possible that he's still in the tower, so, like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a mystery. Right. <laughs> there. So, you know, if you enjoy mysteries and wanted to try some fantasy, mm-hmm. it might be... That might be a way in, too. Yeah, that's um, great. Because, because of that. So, I mean, definitely not a book that everyone would enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not broad appeal, but... And I would, I would actually, especially if you don't usually do fantasy, I would really say do the audiobook because all of the, you know, none of the names are names that you will know or recognize, and you can waste a lot of time figuring out, like, how is this supposed to be for now? <laughs> you, you just don't have that problem with the audiobook. <laughs> the narrator has made that choice for you, yes. and, like, you don't, you know, and, like, I mean, most of the names are fairly short. Um, like, the one of the main characters is named Aolo, and I was shocked looking at the book today to discover that that is spelled E-O-L-O. I would not have gotten Aolo from no, that, no. but like, is that what the author intended? I don't <laughs> no, know, but that's what the audiobook did, and like, I did not have to think about it, um, because I was listening, you know, like, she had made those choices for me, and I could just enjoy what was happening versus like, getting bogged down and like, you know, every time, and especially if you don't know that every time you see the word on the page, it sort of, you know, takes you out of the story because you're like, like, what is this? So, you know, that, that can be a big stumbling block in fantasy. So for that reason, I would definitely say, unless you're like hardcore into a lot of fantasy like this, try the audiobook. Um, I don't think it's super long either. I mean, maybe... Like it was maybe like fourteen hours, give or take. That's not too bad. So not bad. certainly, if you have a commute, like you'll get through it. Um, anyway, okay, yeah, I think that awesome. about wraps it up. Uh, unless anyone had any final final thoughts, I'm glad you mentioned novelist Trisha. That is, yeah, it's a really, a really good resource, resource, especially if you're just you're feeling like I just don't know what to read. Yeah, I feel if you're in a slump, I use that a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. a good place. I use it a lot. Yeah. We also have our new service for adults, Bespoke Book Bags, where yes. uh, reference staff will, you know, put together a few books for you based on what you told us about what you like, what you don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's books, we'll put them together, we'll check them out for you, you just pick it up and, you know, then it's just like any other loan. <laughs> you read it, you bring it back. But, and we have, we have similar services for teens and kids. Those have been around for longer, so. Right. Or, um, you know, you can always ask us, too. Yes. Or ask us to show you how novelist works. Right. <laughs> these are these are all options. So absolutely. We also have book browse. Yeah. Um, which is similar to novelist. And if uh, you prefer it simple, if you click on a book title in our catalog mm-hmm. and scroll down a little bit and click learn more about this title, it will give you books that you also might enjoy. Um, which is what a lot of people do, but it is. Not a real, a really noticeable feature, so you have to look for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're always happy to help. Absolutely. Well, I've really enjoyed hearing about all of the books that you enjoyed this summer. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for well, I, I thank I you for inviting us. I have my phone here, and I've actually, while talking, reserved a whole bunch of them. Excellent. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm partly through rereading a fairly long series right now, but. Uh, but when I get to the end of that, I'll be ready to dive back into new books mm-hmm. and definitely be taking some of these suggestions. A lot of good fall books coming out as yes. well, so mm-hmm. keep your eye out on our main page yep. for those new titles. Definitely. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, I think that about wraps up then this episode of Shelf Help. Uh, if you're listening, you obviously found us somewhere, but you can also find us on Spotify, uh, in Apple Podcasts, and in Stitcher, as well as on our website at mhl.org slash podcast. MHL for Memorial Hall Library. Thanks to Justin Termini for producing these episodes, and we hope to he- we hope you'll be listening to us uh, for our next episode in two weeks. Thank you.